So, Adam and I go overseas and the Raw win. We're back in Australia and the Raw lose. I guess that means you're going back to China, Adam. She! And that means I'm going back to Fiji. Good luck, Scott. Thanks, guys. I guess this is the Brisbane Football Review starting right now. Alright, so apparently there are no flights to Fiji until the morning, and I do have a day job to go back to, so... Welcome back, Adam. Hey, Scott, how's it going? Good to see you, James. What's your excuse, Adam? No flights to China as well, or what? Oh, probably not. Uh, ni hao, Scott and James, and all our listeners, uh, as I traditionally do. Uh, yeah, uh, I know I have to pay for a new visa, so I ain't got one. There's only one single entry, so yeah, you're stuck with me for a while, anyway. Yeah, I don't think I'll be going overseas for a year or so now but no I've got three months so <laughs> did have a fantastic time in Fiji now back and trying to break in a new puppy so after five days I need another holiday yeah, yeah. and Scott yeah. just shrugs his shoulders and goes yeah you're expecting sympathy from me you you were just in Fiji for a couple of weeks Adam's away for a week you're expecting sympathy out of me but oh you need another holiday come on now okay we'll give you the sympathy because yeah. you had to cover the raw in Wellington on Saturday afternoon and gee that it, was fun oh, it wasn't pretty was it no that's the that's the easiest way to put it. No, it it was a really slow start. Like from there, they went behind early to a Stephen Taylor goal off a corner. I'm still not quite sure how the marking on that was working. And yeah, back to the whole frustration thing after feeling so good after yeah. seeing them beat Melbourne City. Yeah, look, I think their first goal. Like I I just caught the uh, six minute highlights on off the um, my football live app, so I didn't see the whole game because um, I was actually in transit. Lucky. But uh, yeah, look, but look at the highlights. Uh, I think the first goal, Stephen Taylor. I think actually McCauley Gillespie just completely missed him. He had his back turned to him when, when um he when he head home. So I don't think he knew he was there. So not great marking to start off with very early on. No, it wasn't great marking at all from that particular set piece. It was also a pretty sloppy corner to concede. Well, from memory, Tom Aldred had a bit of time. He could have cleared it upfield, but a bit of a poor first touch. It goes out. For a corner, so again, that's that's more endemic of the fact they did have a slow start to what you're pointing out, James, because it was a very very slow start. Something we have seen a lot because you think back to the week before, Jamie McLaren scored very early on for Melbourne City. So these slow starts that we saw last year under John Aloisi and Darren Davies, they're they're coming back in again, speaking, which is a concern. Speaking of slow starts, you are listening to the Brisbane Football Review. It's James Scott and Adam here with you. Uh, this is a popular media production, and you may be listening to us on the replay on uh, Football Nation Radio, midday Queensland time every Thursday. So if you are, glad to have you on board. I don't think I can blame jet lag on a two to three hour time zone difference, but let's see how we go. It's, uh, yeah. Anyway, slow starts. I. It's not great for the Raw, like the fact that they... Haven't scored a they haven't scored a goal in the first half yet, and it basically means that they're always having to chase in after the break, which really isn't what this team has shown their ability to be good at for the most part this season. Yeah, that's Fox Sports's new favourite stat that Brisbane Roar are the only A League side not to it score may be a goal mine as well. If in it the continues. first half, yeah, it's become a pretty popular one at the moment. It is becoming a problem though. You're right because the way the Roar are set up, they are kind of set up to hit teams on the counter and be defensively sound and. When you're conceding early goals, you have to almost abandon that plan to a certain extent to push forward. And the Raw did that in the second half with their attacking substitutions. It just did not work on the day. 
Yeah, that streak probably would have ended if uh, it wasn't for Stephen Taylor's clearance off the line to deny um, Jordan Courtney Perkins. Now, that would have been a story had he have, uh, scored and equalised. So, yeah. yeah, a bit unlucky there. But, um, yeah, look, the slow starts, that is uh, becoming a real problem. And you're right, you don't want to be um, chasing games. And as I said, this, with this side, um, I don't know if that's... if I think the, the side would be better you know, trying to play from in front and just absorbing pressure and holding out. But um, he looked at some, um, even a couple of chances in the first half that Wellington Phoenix did have. Um, look, at this, it's sort of a bit of a worry side. We're sort of lauding the, the raw defence and, you know, how tough and sort of, you know, how compact they are. But but Wellington seemed to, you know, create a number of chances uh, just going, sort of through, going through and around them. So I think it's something that, you know, maybe they need to sort of go back to work on. And that's something that uh, I actually mentioned to you earlier this week, Scott, is the fact that it seems like, yes, the Raw, for for the most part, have been pretty solid defensively, but that's kind of come through a little bit of good fortune as much as it has been well-executed defending. It is certainly an element of that, and it absolutely is also an element of that, that teams have seen the Raw play a few games now, so they've got vision of them. When the when this team played in round one, round two, there wasn't a lot of vision of them. If you, unless you saw the FFA Cup tie off, scouted them in pre-season, there wasn't a great deal to go off. Now that there's five, six weeks worth of competition games, people know the tendencies of this back three, where you can get at them. I think Melbourne Victory showed a really good blueprint on that. But you're right, there's a certain element of the fact of that is happening. You're right, but it's also teams have figured the raw out to a certain extent, and they might have to... We talked about it on our last show before you both went away, how the fullbacks pushed further forward to create more attacking opportunities. They might have to drop back a bit more defensively now because they're being opened up a little bit more. And that's such a yeah. fine balance as well with, with the side, whether they push forward or drop back. But I think that's where part of the issue stems from. And that also then does put a lot more pressure on a midfield, which doesn't seem to really be able to specialise as much. Like, you've got Stefan Mork, who has no problem going into a challenge and, you know, trying to create an attack going forward as well. But if you ask him to play as that, you know, out-and-out attacking midfield or out-and-out defensive midfielder, I'm not quite sure he's specialised enough to do that. And it's kind of the same story for Aidan O'Neill, who can play deep as well. Like, I think they're still trying to work out what their strengths are. It's only, it's still only been, what, five, six games in the A-League. So they are still building, but, like, it is starting to get a little bit concerning from my perspective as well is just who's doing what well they did miss Aiden O'Neill in that first half as well in that so when he came when he had a big impact they did miss him in the first half obviously he was unavailable to play in the Melbourne City game because of some Oli Roos was should have gone or didn't go or something some reason why he couldn't play and they did they so they kept the same midfield that played against Melbourne City and I think they did miss him in that first half because when he did come on in the second half they looked a lot better yeah look I think that yeah the midfield I think is, is the problem I think trying to figure out you know what their roles are, how's it play, and so sort of, you know, and it seems almost like it's it's all the same. You know, Jefferson and Joe O'Shea, we know he's the um, he's the sort of the, the attacking sort of playmaker, but I think you know Stephen Mork and Connor O'Neill, they're very they're very similar. Aiden O'Neill, sorry, Aiden O'Neill, sorry, um, Connor, you're thinking Connor O'Toole. <laughs> yeah, yeah, sorry. <laughs> Jet, jet lag. Yeah. <laughs> um, sorry, Aiden O'Neill, a big pardon. And um, and yeah, look, I think at the moment it just doesn't seem to be working. And uh, also, you throw sort of you know, Jacob Pepper back in the mix now, who's 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 playing midfield the last couple of weeks. So it's um, yeah, I, they're trying they're trying different things, but I don't know if anything necessarily is working at the moment. See, that's one thing I'm actually curious about, uh, Jacob Pepper, and we will get on to that after this, but I did actually want to play the press conference audio from Robbie Fowler while I remember as well. Oh, Robbie, it was a, a fighting uh, display last week against Melbourne City. What, what was missing tonight? Goals. Uh, simple as that. I think if you don't score goals, you don't win games. Um, yeah, I think we're obviously disappointed with the way we performed today after last week. Um, I think we showed everything um, that was probably needed to win football games. Today it wasn't there. You know, we... I mean, we come off the, uh, the, the you know the pitch at the end, and you know the last thing you you should do is question anyone's desire or you know commitment or attitude. I think we can um, you know we, we we can maybe question a few of them today. Thanks for your time, mate. Good luck next week. Cheers, Paul. Thank you. All right, so that was Robbie Fowler after the match. Now, as promised, we're going to get back onto Jacob Pepper. So he's back in midfield now, and I wonder if um, his reintroduction to the midfield after a few years as a centre-back under John Aloisi and Darren Davies, if that's a little bit more to try and give some more clearly defined roles in the midfield. I think it's also the fact they view him as a midfielder. John Aloisi moved him into defence to reasonable success. Out of, out of necessity as well. Yeah, out of necessity, but it worked reasonably well for the for the most part. But I think he's always been a midfielder, and, and 
Robbie Fowler has decided we're going to move him back into that position. Look, it's a it's probably giving him more awareness of his defensive role position in that role because obviously when you're defending, your positioning is absolutely key. So it's probably helped him moving forward into that midfield. It's just if you're looking for a more creative player, it, that's probably not what Jacob Pepper brings to the table. But I do also wonder then with the you know uh, eventual return of Jack Hingett, I do wonder if that's where you're going to see Connor O'Toole and either you know Jordan Courtney Perkins or Isaac Powell bombing on there and. Yeah someone like a Jacob Pepper is going to provide that defensive shield. Yeah, look, um, it's still, again, it's um, it's playing options. If they're trying to sort of turn Jacob Pepper into sort of a number six, then that's probably a worthwhile sort of idea. But, um, yeah, again, it's, it's a case of then who do you, who does he partner sort of in, in that midfield? Is it uh, Aidan O'Neill or is it uh, Stephen Mork? And, uh, yeah, look, it's, it's a very interesting... Look, I guess the question is as well is that you know does Conor O'Toole step straight back in? You know, given you know Jordan Courtney Perkins's performances, you know last, you know obviously his his sort of debut in a couple of games, and also as well his uh, international duty. Well, as for, for Courtney Perkins, I'd like to see him play in the back three. He's a, he's a natural centre back. I'd like to see him play in that central defensive area. They play three centre backs, or I think he's, I think he's that's where he's absolutely perfectly suited. But then again, you have got the issue of who you play at left wing back because at the moment there doesn't seem to be a lot of alternatives in that position really I mean I don't know why Conor O'Toole wasn't involved at the weekend I don't think he was injured I know he was away with the Ollie Roos for the Melbourne City game but as far as I know he's available and I think he would be a more natural fit in that role again it's not that Jordan Courtney Perkins done a bad job in that role he's done quite well out there actually but, but he, it's not his natural position yeah well okay well, back to the game one last thing I did want to talk about so Raw get it back to 2-1 through Stefan Mork. Did you have any confidence that they were going to find a way through? Not really. It was one of those too little, too late sort of things, wasn't it? Yeah. They did They did look better when Inman came on and played in the wide left role, but... Because he ended up... I know you said he came on from Marty Holloway up front, but he did shift out wide as the, as the um, half went on. And he looked decent out there, but really there wasn't a great deal of clear-cut chances being created that made you believe if they get one, they'll get two. And I did see an interesting point also brought up in terms of creating those attacking chances as well is, are we sure they're playing to Roy O'Donovan's strengths? No. I'm not sure they are. I don't think they are. I think that's... Adam mentioned the midfield is the issue. I think the front third is also a bit of an issue no, no. about in terms of playing to the strengths of the individuals in the front third at any given time. I don't think that's... that's. I, don't think you're, I think you're right. They're not playing to Roy O'Donovan's strengths. I think they're playing to a Marty Holloway's strengths. I think the way he... They get him to hold the ball up and link the play. I think that's highly effective. But I'm not sure they've worked out the best way to use Roy O'Donovan yet. Yeah, and look, it is a learning experience. It's you know only a few rounds into the competition, but I suppose they can at least take solace in the fact that while the top five are starting to pull away, it's not out of reach yet. But they do need to get better, and they'll have a chance this Saturday against Central Coast Mariners, and we'll get a chance to preview that coming up in segment four. We're gonna, that'll do us for segment one now, and we'll come back to review the W League and Y League fortunes of the Raw after this on the Brisbane Football Review. You're listening to the Brisbane Football Review. We'll be back after this. And we're back on the Brisbane Football Review with James Scott and Adam here on a Wednesday night, recovering from a week off of uh, podcasting, but... Adam and I are back in Australia now. We're here to join Scott, who was flying the flag on his own at the Raw W League matchup at Redcliffe on Thursday night. Yeah, it was an interesting one, that actually. It was a, it was an interesting start to the season for the W League side. I mean, it was... A week later Red... than everyone else? Yeah, it was. But look, it was, again, we talked about a slow start for the A League side in the last segment. It was the same case here for the W League side. They started off very slowly, an unfortunate known goal from Caitlin Torpy, followed by a pretty soft penalty concession. You're in a a 2-0 hole, and you've got to work your way back into the game. And they did that quite well in the, in the, in the second part of the first half. They started to really create some opportunities. Tamiki Yallop got on the end of a nice move from a couple of Matilda's teammates, and then probably should have equalised with a really good penalty save from Casey Dumont. But the Raw did finish this, the um, first half really strong and got better as the game went on. It's just Casey Dumont made four or five unbelievable saves to deny them Equalizes, and then when Natasha Dowie got the third goal at that point, you knew it was going to be very, very difficult. Yeah, it it looked like a team that was you know trying to find their yeah. feet under a new coach. I think there's no questioning the talent is still there, yeah. but it's basically just let's see where every well let's see where all the chips yeah. are going to fall in as well. And you know I'm not going to go all doom and gloom after one game. 
No, no. This is this. Is, uh, while it's going to be a very, very close um, run, sort of uh, regular season, uh, I think that there's all the makings of a very good side here. Now, maybe you prefer an early loss now than rather than to you know in three or four weeks' time. You know, they let them get on a roll. But uh, yeah, no, I think uh, they obviously missed uh, at least Callum Knight. I think that's uh, sort of so that that does have sort of big out that you know I think people were expected, you know, if her play, you know, would have you know, tightened up uh, the defence. Uh, a bit of a baptism of fire for uh, for Claire Farrington, uh, part- partnering Claire Polkinghorne. Um, yeah, but uh, look, yeah, look, this Melbourne's, Melbourne Victory side, it, they're a good team. They're not defending premiers for nothing. And Natasha Dowie, you know, is, she's one, one of the best to go around. So, uh, look, uh, it, it's annoying that's a loss, but they need to get on the bike, you know, quickly and, you know, and get back to winning ways, you know, from, from tomorrow night. And I do think, like, just looking around the W League so far from what I've seen, it looks like it's going to be a very even competition as well. And we will get to the press conference audio from Jake Goodship soon, but just want to get our thoughts out of the way first. Yep. Um, but it does seem like overall as a competition, you know, it's going to be a very close close uh, race for the Premiership once again. It, so, it yeah. does. Sydney have got off to a really bright side, as you would expect from them. And Melbourne Victory having lost to Sydney in the first round, I think they really looked at it and thought, because they're away this week with their um, Asian Champions League situation. So for them, they thought they have to win that game on last Thursday at Dolphin. And they came with that determination. I thought the interesting thing for the Raw was the formation. It was more of a 4-2-2-2 in the first half. And then it evolved a bit more into Alira Toby playing in a wider role with Riley Bayson through the middle. And that became really clear when, at halftime, Toby went off and India Page Riley came on. And in the second half, when they did put moved Hayley Rosso from the right to the left... We really started to see the very best of Hayley Razzo. She absolutely torched her opposition fullback, and but for a couple of missed chances, she could have had a couple of assists from it because it was really impressive and great to see her back to her best. And then, of course, at the end, her very unfortunate issue with Angela Beard standing on her foot on her hand, yeah. which I, I believe she was named today in the squad course, to play yes. against Western Sydney in round three. But it looked really bad from from my vantage point. At first, I thought, "Gee, what's happened to her?" Has she done her knee or something happened again? Because the game, the play just completely stopped. It just was complete stop from that point. I mean, everyone was very concerned for her. So it looked it looked much worse than it turned out to be as bad as it is. It looked a lot worse. I think I think given uh, the injuries that you know that Hayley Russo's had, I think it, it might be so that always that fear of oh no, it's happened again. So I think there's always going to be um, sort of you know a bit of concern. But you know, good news that she well, at least been named, which she plays or not. Uh, tomorrow night against Wanderers is for, well, I guess we'll see but one stat I want to bring up is uh, India Page Riley two goals two games at Dolphin so what you're saying is they should deploy her only at Dolphin Stadium but <laughs> no, I think she goes right at lines but uh, yeah well, but that's yeah no but she uh, it's a well taken goal you know that yeah, that she, that she took for to at least uh, get back to three two, and um, yeah, look, it's it's good that you know, so she had a bit of a torrid time over in Thailand for the uh, in the under twenties uh, AFC championship. So it's good to see her at least get back in the score sheet and be confidence. Yeah, before you do cut that audio, I know you want to get there, James, but I mean, India Page Riley does quite well up at Dolphin Stadium. The Raw W League side, probably not. I think it's one win in four or five games there now. So as good a venue as it is, and. It was terrific to be there on that Sunday for the A-League game against Melbourne. So we might have a more broad discussion about that at some point in the future, but it's not been the greatest of, of hunting grounds for the Raw in the W League so far. As much as India Page Riley tends to score there, to more be, often than not. To be fair, it took the Raw a long time to settle into Suncorp Stadium it as did, well you're in right. the A-League. So. Yeah. You're absolutely right, yeah. All right, let's get to this audio from Jake Goodship, and then uh, we'll come back and talk a bit more on the other side. Uh, Jake, um, slow start. Worked way back into that game. That third goal was a killer, though, wasn't it? Yeah, first 15 minutes we're off the pace. Being the first game, you're going to get a little bit of nerves, and we expected that. Um, two mistakes cost us two goals. However, 70 minutes of the game, we're a far better team. Very proud. Could have scored five or six. Just unfortunately, it's one of them games. You mentioned that when you did get into the game midway through that first half, you were well on top in the game, creating plenty of chances. It's a shame from your point of view they didn't go in. Yeah, I thought we dominated. I thought in possession and out possession, we were fantastic tonight. We were aggressive, we were positive. We wanted to continue to attack. Um, so, yeah, it's just unfortunate we just couldn't put them away in the final third. Was that buying the first week a bit of a blessing and a curse in a way? Because you had the extra week to prepare for the game, which yeah. might have been a bit sluggish coming out the game. No, I think, I think you're right. But I think the first 15 minutes of the first round anyway would have been the same. It would the first game of the season. You can see how many goals we've received in the first 10, 15, 20 minutes. 
Um, so it's across the board. So we've got that out of our system now, and it's very promising the last 70 minutes of the game. A couple of debutants started out there, Claire, Claire Farrant and Riley Bates. How do you think they put in their first start in the W League? I thought Claire was, was really good. She grew into the game, um, obviously gave a penalty away, but she'll learn from that. Good opportunity for her to learn. Riley was exceptional again, worked really hard. Unlucky to have her goal disallowed, but yeah, very promising signs. Yeah. Yeah, we made we went, you know, our philosophy is always to attack, so we've got a centre back off, we've got an attacking midfield player on, um uh, got an attacking midfield uh, full back on, got another full back and another attacking player on. So it's very you know, forward minded, so yeah, it's good to have that that bench and that strength. Yeah, yeah, plenty of positives. Now we start the first twenty minutes, how we finished the last seventy and but it'd, be, it'd be different over we team though up. So yeah, lots of positives, just got to work hard again in training. And just for yourself, first game in touch, how did you find it? Yeah, um, interesting. Um, interesting, but I thought the game was a good standard. I thought Victory were well-organised defensively, they dropped off. Um, they're a bit negative in their approach, maybe after they scored the two goals. Um, you know, they won 3-2, so yeah. And that was Jake Goodship up at uh, Dolphin Stadium in Redcliffe after the Raw W League side went down 3-2 in his debut as W League manager. So, yeah. Jake you... Goodship featuring wind and background music. It's not the greatest place to have a post-game press conference on the field there at Dolphin, unfortunately. No, so hopefully is. you can hear it. <laughs> I just make do with what you can. Um, yes, well, anyway. He was pretty happy, actually, Jake Goodship, as you heard there, in terms of what his, how his side played as the game went on. It's just the start, I think, was a bit of a frustration for him. Oh, it should be as well. And like, obviously, like you kind of feel like the way these teams start is probably more on the coach than anything else. Like the way they start and the way they finish. Because if they're managing their side well, they'll come out, you know, ready to go. And if they can get their in-game management right, they'll yeah. finish strong. I think it was more the slow stuff. I don't know how to explain the A-League issue. I think in the W-League, it's the fact they had a couple of young defenders, including one making her debut at the W-League level. And there was a little bit of nerves associated with that. Claire Farrington did get better as the game went on, but there was obvious nerves there at the start. And I think that's kind of where the Raw's slow start came from. As they built into the game, they got much better. So that's that's the positive for the Raw looking forward, that there's that I don't think that's going to be an issue that happens on a weekly basis. No, exactly. And well that's the last point I wanted to touch on as well, the two debutants. So you had Riley Bayston and Claire Farrington making the jump from NPL up to W League, yep. so obviously for the O's two, it is going to be a learning experience. Yep. How how did uh, Basin look? Did you think, Scott? Oh, she didn't do too bad. I mean, she was quite lively. Got a couple of half chances. Didn't unfortunately put any away. Well, it's not too because she put one away, but she was offside. Really good cross in from Razo on the left, and it was a bit of a deflection. And I think it was actually a shot from Beret on the follow up from that, which was parried, but Basin was offside. Nice finish from close range, but was unfortunately offside. But a real predator in the box, sort of a striker. She's going to be in the right place to score goals, it's going to come. It just didn't quite happen for her on Thursday night. But it was a encouraging start. I think of the two NPL graduates, I think I think Basin's probably more suited to to you know to make that step up quicker. I'm not sort of saying that, you know, uh, I'm, look, I'm sure over time, Claire Farrington will sort of, you know, feels they should look like, you know, a W League player. But I think uh, Riley Basin, I think, especially given, you know, and also as well, it's easy for attackers to sort of really get into it rather than defenders. But, you know, given her pedigree, you know, a great season NPL, and, you know, she she obviously will, will sort of look more at home, so a lot quicker. It was telling as well, the Raw were chasing the game in the second half, and Jake Goodchip chose to keep Riley Bayston on instead of Alira Toby. So I think that tells you that Riley's settled in quite nicely to this side. Definitely a good show of faith there as well. And we'll look forward to seeing how they go tomorrow night as we're recording. 6.30pm kickoff at Lions Stadium at Richlands. Hope to see you all there. Absolutely, against the West Sydney Wanderers. Yes, who they defeated at Dolphin Stadium last December. Did. In a game where I'm pretty sure, I think it was the three of us plus Angela in the media box there were also trying to go through the NPL draw, which got released while I was driving up there. <laughs> so if anyone at Football Queens is listening to this and feels like putting a draw out for the 2020 season tomorrow, yeah, I think <laughs> we're open to the suggestion. Yeah, right about 5.30, I think it's the prime time to release <laughs> yeah. that. Um, we've got some Football Queensland news to talk about coming up in segment three, but first, I just wanted to round off segment two with the uh, Y-League round two match between City and Glory. City six, Glory six. Apparently they were both playing FIFA. Absolutely, and it's a great result for the Brisbane Raw, that too. City were up <laughs> by six goals to three, 
midway through the second half and it became a six-all draw, as you mentioned, Adam. It was a really, really good outcome for the Raw because also Melbourne Victory, who the Raw thumped in round one, they beat Adelaide. So the Raw, despite not playing at the weekend, they still stay top of the table with games in hand now. They play Melbourne City at the weekend, but they're in a really good spot after two rounds at the moment. I, I was actually at Ningbo Airport and I was actually on, on Twitter because... Had, they show these it. games in China? No, no. I was, I was, I was going to have to go to China to watch yeah, these no, games. Yeah, no, no. I was actually following this. Not, honestly, I thought this was fake news. <laughs> I heard six all. Do they do they teach defence at the academies these days? Because that is just unbelievable. Not in Melbourne City or yeah. Perth. Yeah, that's uh, unbelievable. Well done, well done you know, Perth, for you know, getting back. And, but, jeez, six all. That would have been one of those fun games oh, to be out, though. That would be as fun as the 10-1 game from a few years ago. Yeah, thanks for bringing that up. Oh, so speaking of fake news in Melbourne, the only fake news comes out of the other side of town regarding their coaching position. <laughs> <laughs> yes. If you're on Twitter, you may have been duped yesterday as uh, one and a half of us were. Yes. <laughs> I did check twice. I had oh, to check that. No, no congratulations. From a prank point of view, congratulations to the owner of that, uh, that Twitter handle. Because that, that did, they did put out a story people. that yeah. Marco Kurz had been sacked by Melbourne Victory, and it was a very, very convincing fake account. It was. Yeah. Give it a couple of weeks, it might happen on the real mm. account. You never know. So, good on them for that. And on that note, we're going to take a break and come back with segment three of the Brisbane Football Review right after this. You're listening to the Brisbane Football Review. We'll be back after this. All right, segment three of the Brisbane Football Review. Uh, we should give out some contact information. It's Facebook, the Raw Review, Twitter, at BNE Football. Email brisbanefootballreview at gmail.com. We did actually get some correspondence from a couple of people while we were away. I'm not sure if you got back to those ones, Scott. I didn't even see them, unfortunately. So apologies to anyone who did email us. While they were away, I, I neglected to check that. I apologise. We def- so Gmail's been in China. Yeah. We also don't think that we're too big a uh, podcast to ignore people at the moment. We take any and all contributions. So if you want to uh, pitch, if you want to pitch in uh, segment ideas, discussion topics, feel free to send us a message and we'll uh, endeavour to read it out when I'm not being senile. Yeah. No, no questions are silly. Well. Well. I'll put the disclaimer on that, but anyway. Yes. <laughs> All right, so we've got some news to catch up on, because while I was in Fiji, I was offline for pretty much the whole time, so I'm still trying to catch up on some of the stories that have been announced, but we should start off at uh, Football Queensland headquarters and the announcement of a new CEO. It was yeah. Robert Cavallucci is the um, new, new CEO of Football Queensland. I think that was announced... Uh, two weeks ago now, I believe it was. It's a look. It's a good appointment. He's also got experience in the in the NPL Queensland with Brisbane City as a. I think he was a club president there for a while for a period of time. So he obviously knows the scene to a certain point. He's got experience in the political sphere, as we know. But he's. I think it'll be a good appointment. I think the most telling thing is that that Cavalucci is actually it was in the short list of the to be the FFA CEO yeah. to replace David Gallup. So obviously uh, that that's a big win for Queensland that he decided to sort of pull out of that race to take the reins of football Queensland. I think you know after some sort of few sort of rocky years, I guess the governance wise, I think you know, he, I think it's a very very sound appointment. I think you know we're going to see you know good things going forward. Definitely, I think there's a lot of reason to be optimistic about that from what we've seen from his time with uh, Brisbane City trying to get that A-League bit, bit up. Yeah. Certainly someone with a vision. I think it's just a case of, you know, I just want to see someone, like whoever it was, and now that we know who it is, I just want to see him there for a few years, like, and able to actually take the time, implement a vision, and try and, I suppose, take uh, football in Queensland to the next level from juniors right, th- right through to seniors, men and women. Yeah, help it reach the potential it undoubtedly has. We've seen real growth in the interest of it, and yep. the quality of it, of the MPL and and below that in the FQPL and the MPLW as well, over the last couple of years, you want to see that reach its absolute potential, don't you? I think that I think they've announced a, a strategic plan for the next three years as well. And I think that was slightly before Robert Cavalucci was announced, but they've got a plan, and hopefully Robert Cavalucci has time to implement it because it, to take it to the next level, that's what it requires. Definitely, it's going in great the right direction, but it needs. It's going to get to that next level. That's what it needs. And I do think they did did make some really good uh, steps forward in 2019 Absolutely. under the old leadership yeah. as well. And I think it's just a case of building on that yeah. now and trying to, I suppose, just you know get the top level competitions out there as much as you can. And you know I think streaming all the NPL games was a really good step in the uh, right direction. 
it was something that was copied by the Southern States almost immediately because the raw the the raw football Queensland were the first state to announce that policy that we're going to stream all the NPL games and then one in the in the FQPL and one NPL W per week where you probably heard James's commentary if you were listening. Honestly, from time thought to time. you were going to take a shot at me for that. No, no, no. <laughs> but they were, football Queensland were the first state to announce it, and then the Southern States copied it. So you're you're right, absolutely. Yeah, no, and that's uh, I think that's also has drawn the appeal of, you know, of the MPL, uh, the MPLW, and you know also to let's say FQPL. I think you know more localized. You know, I think as well that you know with that sort of you know. Whereas in the past, where players that were getting opportunities were like, oh, who is this? Or my general partner. There's still sort of a bit of anonymity, but you know, you know the best players in the league now. And, you, and there's all, all clamouring, you know, as much as it annoys me from time to time, say, oh, oh, this this star player in the in the MPL, you know, is, you know, oh, he should, it's, a, it's a joke that he's not getting picked up by an A-League club. Well, that's annoying as well, but it's also very, very satisfying as well to hear that. that you know, that means people are watching, people are knowing what's going on at MPL level, which, and that's, let's hopefully this goes forward even further and, you know, give these next, this next generation of players, you know, the, the, um, so sort of the identification and and that, that they deserve. And it does mean that you, if you want to actually go and look up one of these players, possibly, you know, to sound like you know what you're talking about next time you're discussing NPL, <laughs> you can actually go and do your research on, you know, certain teams and players. One of those uh, players I think you may be referring to, by the way, Adam, does his name rhyme with Randy Schmangeli? Uh, yes. Yes, well, uh, NPL leading goal scorer Andy Pengelly is actually uh, moving north, as it seems. He's going from Perry Park to AJ Kelly Park. Yeah, that's the biggest signing so far of the NPL Queensland silly season, isn't it? It's a terrific addition for the Peninsula Power. They did, had no trouble scoring goals last year in that first half of the season, but to pick up an Andy Pengelly, it's such an amazing signing for him. The only question I have on it is the whole Brisbane Strikers attack was built and set up for him to succeed. Can Peninsula Power replicate it? If they can, it could be it could be an even brighter season for him. Again, I know he scored 52 goals. I'm not saying he'll equal that, but if they can replicate the system being created for him, it could be a fantastic addition. But I'm actually going to go the other way and say, will they? Because I'm not sure. I'm yeah, wondering if question. they're going to say, hey, we don't need Andy Pengelly to score 50-something goals this year. We just need him to get, say, 25, yeah. and we'll get, you know, another striker to come in and pitch him with 15 to 20, yeah. maybe, and get a few more players to pitch him with 5 to 10 here and there. If I was a betting man, which I am, and I know you were, work for a betting company, um, look, I, I would have uh, potential power as, as the early season favourites. I think this is a this is a big signing. Um, it's a side that you know was probably one or two pieces away from being premiers, if not champions, last season. That sort of injuries, a bit of bad luck, sort of fell against them. Why they, they, they fell short? This immediately, they, and Cameron Cristani, obviously that was confirmed. Obviously that he's resigned. If they signed, um, it's sort of a potential power sort of making, announcing about 10 signings today, both re-signings and new signings, and look, I think they're the favourites uh, going in, I'd be used to see what the likes of Lions and you know, and Olympic and Gold Coast Knights, what they, how they respond, but yeah, look, this is this is a side that was one or two pieces away from the puzzle that may have found their pieces. You're always jumping the gun with this betting stuff, you are. Oh, well, it's, it's I think it's it's you're, you're right, Peninsula Power are, are, are going, yeah, of course, always gamble, bet everything. <laughs> no, look. See, I'm not a betting man. I can say this, but you're right. Peninsula Power they will be right up there once again this year. But I, I'm really interested to see how Lions re- mm. rebuild their squad. I think Olympic have started recruitment quite well. Gold Coast Knights have been pretty quiet. And from Strikers' point of view, I'd be really interested to see how they yeah. replace Pengelly. But I do think Peninsula will be right up there. I'm just not quite ready to say they're the absolute favourite just yet. I said early favourites. I just want to. Say, well, the big question I've got is, you know, if. Gold Coast Knights bring de- bring back the bulk of their squad, and it looks like they're probably going to wind up doing that. How, who's going to break down the Great Wall of Carrara? Well, that's well. I hope uh, if, you, if you're a Peninsula Power fan, you're going to hope that it's Andy Pengelly. Hi, going Jordan. To do that. <laughs> yes. Well, that that I think is going to be the big question as well. But there's a lot of good storylines to follow. You know, coming up yeah. with uh, NPL silly season as well. I think. There may have been a few other signings uh, that have taken yeah. place in the last little while. Yeah, this week seems to be the week that a number of clubs are really starting to ramp up their announcements. It's all Brisbane Strikers. They just started announcing a couple of players. Bon each. Scott for one. Yeah, yeah bon Michael Scott, McGowan, Hills. another one. They've yep. announced a few. Fraser Hill's another one. Yep. The FFA Cup Player of the Year from an NPL perspective. So they've announced a couple. Obviously, Adam mentioned Peninsula Power have announced half a squad today. Gold Coast United have yep. announced some players over the last few weeks. Olympic have done that 
sporadically. This week seems to be the time where it's ramping up to that next level. So you might start to see a real indication of, and judge, and judge of who's the, playing where in 2020. And judging by the reactions on our on our sort of news Facebook feed and Twitter feed, it goes to my point before that you know the fact that there was so much sort of traction as far as you know, the, the Pengeli news, him transferring you know, sort of comments and whatnot, just shows again that you know people actually care about the MPL. People you know are, are watching and they're this exposure to it. So I think it's only a great thing. I think that's like I said, you know, strikers power next uh, next season. I think that's going to be a fairly far game, especially at Perry Park. Because I know strikers aren't happy. Sorry, what ground is that? Sorry, the um the park to Paris. That's better. Yeah, I think there's a lot. Sorry, off season. There's a lot to look forward to in NPL next season. Full yeah. stop. And um, I think yeah, whenever that draw does come out, maybe it's tomorrow. <laughs> tomorrow maybe yeah. it's in a month. We'll yeah. just have to wait and see. And I think there are a few matches that I'm, a few matchups that I'll definitely be looking uh, yeah. to circle right away. That and... one just kind of leaped out straight away. Circle that one. Yeah. Yeah. Naturally, Sam like... Smith moving to Gold Coast United makes that Gold Coast strong, derby no, a strong as well. So there's another one. To keep an eye on. Yeah, I I would love to get down there for a Gold Coast derby. Yeah. So I think I was going to go down last year for the one that got rained out. Yeah, we were. Yeah. I think we were all set to go go that game, but yeah, it got rained out. Thank you, Mother Nature. Anyway, yeah. So that's uh, what's going on uh, from an FFA perspective. They're announcing a review into the National Premier League system. I'm assuming it's not going to lead to any sweeping changes, but we'll have to wait and see about that. It's interesting to see. Are they looking at the juniors and the cost of it at junior level, which particularly in the southern states they is, really do need to do something is about that. outrageous, to say the, to say the absolute yeah. least. But the, at the top level, it be interesting to see what that, in terms of the senior competition, what that relates into, because it seems to be going quite well at the moment in terms of the, the top level in each state seems to be quite popular with the local football community in that area, the national final series has grown into something which is highly entertaining and, again, well well supported by the football community. I'd be interested to see if they're doing anything to change that or if in the women's space they try and do something similar, having a national final series in that competition as well. But I'd be interested to see what that is actually going to look into or if it's just there's some irregularities that they need to to clamp down on. I think for the seniors... Because it's, it's very vague what they're actually doing with this investigation. I think... There's a conspiracy theorist in me about to come out, so brace yourself. That's fine. We um, love conspiracy, yep. James. I think there's going to be a. I think it's going to be uh, trying to work with um, AF. APFCA. Yeah, yep. that, that's I it. See that. AFPF yep. Alphabet Soup A. Yep. Uh, talking about possibly the viability of picking up some of these clubs and turning them into the basis of a national second division. Yeah, that's, that's fair. Or a national yeah, second I, league. And I wouldn't NSL call that conspiracy all. theory at all. The fact that the APFCA are involved would suggest that, you know, there, there might be sort of that push. And I guess also as well, it's, what's good is that it's sort of the consultancy process that, you know, they're not going to go, oh, all the all top teams that, you know, across Australia are all going to be in this, you know, national second division then bugger the rest. I think I think it's a case of, you know what, you want to get maybe get the top teams, but is there a period beneath yeah. a viable pyramid. Um, I think I think from a senior's point of view, I think that's probably where it's headed. Um, obviously, there's a few tweaks and whatnot there, but I think from a junior point of view, I think definitely um, the costs the costs of playing junior football is just the, the costs are staggering. I've seen some figures, and you think how how can you even justify that? Yeah. You know, it's any wonder the attrition rate um, of kids, you know, go, starting from you know the juniors and the you know, the mini roos the you know, all the other the junior ones going right through, you know, the top level. The, the attrition rate is so high. It's it's all of it's got to be financial. Yeah, I mean, if you, the costs of junior football are high here in Queensland, but when you compare that to the cost down south, it's three times the price. Yeah, that's utterly ridiculous. Yeah, that is just. Ridiculous. I'm not. I'm not going to cast aspersions. Of, uh, they, if you sort of yeah, you, know, you sort of yeah, you know, hear the rumours and whatnot about where that that money does go. I'm not going to publicly cast aspersions on that. I think those who know what I'm talking about will know. Um, but yeah, look, it's just the cost of it for juniors is just high, and you need that grassroots. It's the most participated sport in the country, yet it seems to it seems to get bottlenecked around about 13, 14 years old. Look, you know why football is so popular? Because it's really easy to play. Mm. It's not that hard to get a ball. You know, it might be a netball or just something. Any and sort of round ball will work. Really. Yeah. Yep. Maybe not a cricket ball, but... No, that's probably not, but... Well, it'll sharpen up your skills, though. Oh, sure. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, unless you try for that... Blood, uh, blood in your feet, too. That's true. <laughs> yeah. But either way, like, it's why it's so popular. It's so easy to play. It's not... Like, you, it's pretty straightforward rules. You just say, all right, that's a goal, that's a goal. You can use two shoe, or two pairs of shoes and a round ball, and there's your field. Yeah. That's it. Anyway, um, 
yeah, and interesting that's... to see what does come out of that report that they're doing. Definitely. Um, then, last news item we're touching on: Socceroos to learn their group for the 2020 Copa America next Wednesday morning. Group A with uh, hosts Colombia, or Group B South with with hosts Argentina. Group B is on with Uruguay in it, right? Yes. I'm going to be so mad if we don't end up in that group. <laughs> yeah. I really want to play Uruguay in that competition and beat them. Yeah, absolutely. I think we all do. All right. Well, well, th- we're going to save the discussion on that for next. Next, well, Wednesday. We will know next it's Wednesday. It's next Wednesday, so we'll yep. be really happy with that or a bit disappointed. Yeah. Yes, definitely. Qatar are the other Hang team, on. by the which way. Is, which is the group of death? Because we always end up in the oh, good, old, both group of the death. good old fashioned group of oh, death. We always end up in death. it, so. Yeah, uh, yeah, that's actually very fair. Whatever the worst case scenario is yeah. for that draw, that will probably be what befalls the Socceroos. In the meantime, we're going to take a break and come back with our final segment here on the Brisbane Football Review. You're listening to the Brisbane Football Review. We'll be back after this. All right, it's the fourth and final segment of the Brisbane Football Review. I actually can't remember how many four-segment shows we've done this season so far. Not many, because we kind of merged them two, three together. Yeah, because usually by this point, I think we're all tired and just want to go home. Yeah, that about sums it up. Yeah, pretty much. All right, let's get on with it then. A little bit of energy. Here we go. Uh, This weekend, Sunday... Saturday, 4 o'clock at Suncorp Stadium. It's the Raw taking on the Mariners in the 50th A-League meeting between the two sides. Absolutely. Yeah, it's, it's back at Suncorp Stadium after being at Dolphin two weeks ago. It's interesting, this one, because the Mariners look pretty good, actually, against Western United for yeah. the most part on Sunday. And the Raw, as we talked about, they were less than impressive, we should, to put it mildly, against Wellington. So the Mariners probably looking at this thinking, we got a chance here, because they're in the top six now, we've got a chance to cement our spot in the top six, if we can get a result in Brisbane, which they did in the FFA Cup earlier in the year, but they haven't done in the A-League since 2014. And that was the April 2014 game where the Raw had already secured the yeah. Premiership, if I remember correctly. I think they completely binned the game off, in fairness. In Yeah, I actually just... Quick side note on that one. I remember going to that game after playing a very hot game of club football from 3 till 5 and having to rush back to Suncorp Stadium to get there in time for kickoff and thinking I really don't have the energy for this as it turned out neither did the entire A-League side that night <laughs> well, well, reminisce, we should mention yesterday was 8 years to the day that the Raw broke the Australian sporting record of 36 games unbeaten when they beat Perth Glory 4 goals to nil so that was yesterday wonderful, yeah, wonderful ju- 8 years ago Tuesday yesterday depending on when you're listening to this on the 26th yes Yeah. good I had... times that great times yeah that was fun um yeah, so anyway, FFA Cup, I we actually have a previous matchup against this opponent to look out for, and honestly, I'm genuinely concerned about this, because I think the Mariners have the pace to really trouble the Raw backline, especially the likes of Sam Silvera. Yeah, look, I think for Raw's form as well, it's bad enough that they really don't play well over New Zealand, but then the, the effort, the game after it as well, is also you know, a pretty flat performance, so I would be very fearful of the Mariners actually, you know, coming up here and you know, and stealing the points. Um, because, yeah, uh, look, I hope it doesn't fall down that same path, but look, Mariners were, were very good, you know, defensively, which, you know, in the past uh, they have been very, very, you know, very fragile. They sh- they showed that you know they can play can they can finally do a clean clean sheet. So yeah, I think this is a real dangerous game for the Raw, and I think uh, Mariners I think might be primed for this one. And to your point, the Raw was struggling with the att- pacey attackers. The Mariners did that against West United on Sunday. They played Tommy Orr as a false nine shadow striker, whatever you want to call it, with Sam Silvera, Danny De Silva as sort of an attacking group, and it worked quite well. And if that's the sort of way that they're going to go against the Raw. Well, we've seen the Raw struggle with attack, with pacey attackers. It could be a, a good recipe for them. I think we can just all be glad that, you know, if they do go for that pacey attack, which if I were coaching the Mariners, I would, well, it also means we're going to be saved from Matt Simon trying to elbow Tom Aldridge okay, in the That's head. the only alternative you've got, and I think that's a last-case scenario you want to throw in. Yeah, look, that's uh, that would be one sort of, you know, knockdown drag out contest you know between Tom Aldred and Matt Well Simon. we saw them get into it at the FA <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yes, yeah exactly did. that's uh, sort of where we're sort of, sort of reminiscing from um, so so yeah look uh, yeah if, if Mariners show up you know and obviously uh, 
they show up and sort of, you know, really sort of, you know, run them around ragged with that very young and, you know, speedy um, attack. Yeah, this, this might be this might be a tough one for a Raw to get out of, I think. Because, um, like I said, they, they've really shown that, you know, especially they get behind. They may, may be struggling to get back in this. It's interesting, actually. We're thinking ahead to potential changes for this game. I mean, we mentioned the Wiley side. They're down in Melbourne on Saturday. So, it's very interesting to see who... Like, we'll probably get a fair idea of if there's any young players... Maybe an Rim potentially coming into the side. We'll get an idea if he's involved because the Wiley side will be announced four, three hours before, at least before the daily game kicks off. So we'll know if he's in Melbourne or in Brisbane because I think we may also know when the squads get released. Yeah, well, as well. He, I think he'll be announced named anyway. He's named every week, but he often gets dropped back down to the Wiley League. But it's interesting because I think talking about changes, I think a change at the back may very well be on the cards in terms of trying to make a change there to alleviate some of the defensive errors we've seen. It could be that Conor O'Toole comes in at left wing back and Jordan Courtney Perkins drops into the back three. That's another alternative. But I do think there might be a change there. And then in the... I think Aidan O'Neill will come in for Jacob Pepper. And I don't know what you think, but I'd be looking to make a change in the front third as well. Oh, yeah. I, Just I, to bring in some life and energy into that front third from the start. I think they absolutely need to make some changes to that starting 11. As you said, a bit more pace in the yeah. back. I like the sound of an Aaron Reardon coming in. I think, yeah, Aidan O'Neill back into the midfield as well. I'm just worried about making too many changes because yeah. I don't think you want to go and bring in, say, six new players for your starting eleven just to say, all right, I've made wholesale changes. Yeah, yeah no, I think, you, especially so early on, I think it's it's not uh, absolute panic stations at the moment. I think that, you know, they're, they're sort of, they're not getting belted off the park. Like, in separate performance or not, still, the fact remains they got beat 2-1 on uh, last Saturday, so I would make wholesale change. But I think there are little tweaks required. Like for example, I agree with Scott that perhaps you know Conrad Till goes into left left wing back, which means that um, that uh, Jordan Courtney Perkins goes into left centre back region. I just wonder how far away Jack Hingard is. Um, that's the other change. That's I probably uh, yeah. Whether... If you look at his Instagram, I think he said he was ready about four weeks ago. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it would be interesting to see because he he would probably uh, slowly maybe I don't know if you know Scott Neville deserves to you know to miss X. I think that's probably where the logical spot would be. Uh, you know, or or I think even he'd get a comeback through the youth team anyway. Surely having missed Perhaps, nine yeah, months yeah. for the football, having not yeah. and they played a couple of training games that he's played in, but you'd want to play him in a competitive fixture. Again, again, we, sh- we shouldn't complain. Like we, we've been saying sort of for a while now that, you know, take your time. It's not like that they're, they're desperate for him to come back. You know, there's, there's always going to be an experience off head that, you know, he's going to play a role at some point. It doesn't have to be now at the end of November. It can be into the into the next year. So, so yeah, um, that, that's probably one that I think maybe that may be sort of on the cards. But, yeah, look, I think it's just you know, tweaking a couple of players in and out. But I wouldn't, yeah, wholesale changes, I'd probably resist at the moment because it's not, it's not that disastrous I still at the think moment. I'd make three because I, I, I think he'll bring Inman in up I think front. three's fine. I think he'll bring Inman in for one of the guys up front. But I'd look at bringing in a Jai Ingham for pace or I'd even, or even say, a yes. Wenzel Halls just to someone who can yeah. run at people because every time they've got a part that on the field, they look better. Ingham made a big impact when he came on against Melbourne City at halftime, playing in that Jake McGing right wing, right wing, right wing back role. He did quite well there. So I would consider someone like that playing in an attack-minded area to make runs in behind because I haven't really got enough of that. Yeah, well, for me, I like I kind of like backing the experience of Roy O'Donovan to get himself yeah. in the right positions to score. I think. You know, he's had a successful enough A-League career where you have to give him benefit of the doubt for a few more weeks before you start calling for his head. Yeah. I'm sorry, not Roy O'Donovan, the carbon rod, <laughs> for the Simpsons reference. But, um, yeah, I think you'd really need to try and give him that sort of chance. The problem is, though, like, if you want to bring that pace or pace in around him uh, with an Ingham or a Dylan Wenzel Halls, that's probably better suited to an Amadi Holloway. Yeah. That's interesting. I mean, they've they brought um Jayingham on in the right wing back right again. Jake McGing's been pretty good this year, but when um when Jayingham did play in that position against Melbourne City, there was a lot more life in the attack going forward. So that's why I just thought that might be an interesting option in terms of if not if not changing um Amadi Holloway and O'Donovan, maybe you could tweak that. Yeah. Get another attack minded player who can get forward. Yeah, see, yeah, right. On it's a tough one because you know what you you never want like you never want to bench these you know these pressure strikers. Yeah. You know that you know we'll do nothing for for ninety minutes and then we'll pop up and score that you know that winning goal. And I think he's still got that. I think he shows signs that you know he's still there. A couple of, and I think it, if we go back, as we spoke about in segment one, 
is he being utilised correctly? Are we getting the best out of Roy Donovan? You know, it may not say just the service is just not there. If they cut off the service, you know, he's not no going to... No striker's going to... Yeah, exactly. It, yeah. No striker, no matter how good they are. So I think that's where it needs... I think the midfield needs to be better. Um, yeah, but I think they've also got a combat not to commit to forward because if they sort of get caught in the counter-attack against this uh, very, very quick Central Coast Mariners uh, sort of attack, I think they, can, they might be sort of backpedaling very quickly and, you know, so, yeah, look, there's sort of danger, but I think, yeah, I think still Raw, I think, are a chance. they just got to be careful. If they show up, if they don't show up, like didn't, they didn't in Wellington, yeah, they could be on the losing end. But, you know, if they don't, if they get off to another slow start, they could very easily find themselves two down very early, so... I know you both keep saying it's early, but we are round eight now. We're entering the midpoint of the yeah. season. We, it's, eight of stopped. 29, though. Yeah. Well, it's only 26 games, though, because... Yeah, I know, but... Well, seven of 26 games, because they've yeah. had a bye, but... It's it's it is early, but we're getting to the point now yeah. where you've got to really start getting points if you're going to start pressuring that top four or five teams, and not just battling for that final spot in the top six. I do agree. I just well, when I say it's early, I mean it's too early to say everything's doomed. Oh, of course, yeah. I, but and I still I think it's probably too early to try and abandon your plan A, but you really should be having plan B ready to go because I think they've got another buy coming up in a. Just before Christmas, yeah, actually. Yeah, another buy in two or three games' time. So that's where you hope Robbie Fowler, as a manager, he's been around enough people to know, all right, this is where I need to go to plan B. Whether it's, you know, a formation change going to maybe a four-two-three-one or something a little bit more, something a little bit different. Yeah. You know, plan A didn't quite go the way he'd hoped. Let's see what we can go for an alternative. Now. I think with our pessimism, I think, you know, just being guarded on, you know, what Mariners will do. This, this is probably also a good opportunity for the Raw to, you know, if they're going to start a run, knowing that the buyer is still yeah. is down the road a bit, that, that this is probably where they need to, right, need to take a step, step foot forward and, you know, and actually start performing because, um, because yeah, like I said, you're right. If you don't want to get too far behind, you know, you get the uh, the buy, the second buy, and you're already spotting, you know, the the final spots, you know, six to nine points. You don't, and then you're playing catch up. So, which is I what think, we've seen for the last three seasons. Yeah. At the so Royal. I think now is the time. So I think it's almost the point where I'm not going to say must win, but you want to start seeing progression. You want to see start seeing some forward steps. Otherwise, it could be another long season. Maybe not must win, but definitely let's get better. Mm. Yeah, it could be the start of a run. You're right because they got in the next four. They've got games against Western United at home and Newcastle away. Yeah. So there's a couple of games that you might look at and think they're teams that are maybe not the high end of the A League. You can start picking up points. The other interesting thing is we have to talk about it. Since the last time the Royal were at Suncorp, they had the U2 concert. We think it's going to be much of it. What do you think the field's going to be like? Because it wasn't great for the first home game of the season there against Melbourne Victory. Hopefully it's better than what we've seen in the past after a concert, we can, right? We can only hope, but it also will at least have the solace in the fact that it will, have, it will have been, what, a week and a half, two and a half weeks? Yeah, but it was three months after the last NRL yeah. game to round one in the A-League. Oh, not three months, about two months, but and it was less than perfect. So Yeah, well, that's where we can only hope that the, the groundsmen have actually gone out and said, all right, you know, we've had the extra time compared to, you know, a Tuesday concert, Saturday game or whatever, and yeah. I don't, know. Was, I don't know if it was last week or the week before. I'm not. That's pessimism I can get behind, yeah. though. <laughs> I think it was a week. Ago, I think it was a week ago before the Melbourne City game. Okay. So, because I remember thinking, oh, "Bugger, I'm going to be in Fiji. I can't go." <laughs> Love to go, but anyway, yeah. I have to go to you. I have to go to U2 next time they're in Australia. In the meantime, I think I probably should go have some dinner. What do you guys say? Yeah, I think so. You can have dinner if you like. I'm going home personally. <laughs> All right. Well, I'm gonna. Fi- well, we do have to do our fin- uh, final uh, part of the show. The story of the Royal Mariners game will be Scott. A much-needed home win. Adam. Um. Improved performance. I'm going goals galore at Suncorp. So I I don't know where they're going to come from. Which uh, coloured jersey will be scoring them? I'm just expecting another high-scoring affair. All right. That's gonna be it for this edition of the Brisbane Football Review. Thank you, Scott. Thank you, Adam. Thanks, guys. Good to see you both. Good Welcome back. back. Thank you very much for listening. Uh, if you're catching us on Football Nation Radio and want to hear the full episode, you can download the podcast, Wooshka, iTunes, Spotify, and several other good podcast outlets. Check us out Facebook, Twitter, all the other fun stuff. This has been the Brisbane Football Review, a Podular Media production. We'll see you next week.